Hello and welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion that from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk news and politics. Yeah. So, tier four. Uh, we're now in tier four. Uh, you, Hugh, are now 25% more tiered than you were on Saturday. Yep. Uh, how do you feel about that? Um, well, that's good. It's good that I'm going up in some tiers because I'm sort of stuck in a middling tier when I'm playing Street Fighter. So, <laughs> at least I'm going up in something. Or it's going down better. But Wolf and Forest does have all have so many. It's got really high numbers, so that I've played a lot of games. That usually means good, yes? <laughs> yeah, um, so I was literally out on Saturday um, getting like food in for Christmas, and it was like I was supposed to be having the in-laws over. And like 10 minutes... <laughs> After I'd got out of the shop, I saw that, oh, yeah, no, yeah, Christmas is uh, is not <laughs> happening. The thing that they had promised all along, they were somehow unable to fulfil. Can you imagine? <laughs> Are you telling me that the Conservative government of the last 10 years made a promise that it couldn't fulfil? It made a promise that it did just to shut people up, and then when it came to the crunch, it didn't fulfil on those promises. <laughs> I mean, we mentioned it last week about the kind of deranged communication strategy. Oh, yeah. Like this one in particular with the kind of leaking things and then doing them and that kind of driving people a bit like doolally because it's just, it's just like, it's, it's It fucking happened again to, it fucking happened again today. Yeah. So you heard like Robert Jenrick came on in the morning or maybe Mm -hmm. late, late yesterday evening said, whoa, we're thinking about... Yeah. We're reckoning, thinking about maybe more areas could move into Tier 4 on Boxing Day. And then just Matt Hancock just comes out and announces it in the middle of a Wednesday. Yeah. You know? Oh, I think it's just fascinating that it's uh, this dangerous variant only came up when the government really needed it. You know? Well... It's, it's, it was... I'm not denying it existed, no. but it, it just seems like what? real... No. Well, it seems that... like real cover in your ass. Yeah, it's something of... the There is a variant obviously, but yes. they knew about it for longer than the last couple of days. Mm. Um, like even, they were even saying, like, oh, like we found out last on, month. Yeah, they were like, oh, we only found out on Friday. And there was, um, I think it was Jonathan Ashworth said, like, but I was told about it last week. So, yeah. you know, it's... Um, it, was in, yeah, it was in the British Medical Journal, like, um, early December. There we go. Yeah, but, you know, you know it's... It, so of course they're going to use any excuse. What I thought was quite interesting was like um, when they the South African variant that's been found, and they're like straight away with anyone who's come here from South Africa needs to be isolated. Um, anyone who's come into contact with anyone who's come here from South Africa recently needs to self isolate as well. All of this stuff that this is super important needs to be done straight away. Now the good, honest, hearty um, variant from Albion. That, you know, that can just linger about for a bit and you can just put into, like, a slightly higher tier and, you know, whatever. <laughs> because it's a, be- it's a better kind. It's a better kind of variant, is what I'm saying. Your South African variant, it, it's unruly. It's I'm trying to think of, like, what's... What you, yeah, it's, just, it's an unruly... It's an unruly... It's foreign, basically. It's foreign. And whereas the good English one, it just does English things. Like, it just wants to carol. Continually asking for higher wages. <laughs> disgraceful yeah no it's just like all of the messaging around the the variant like like i say like yeah sure the variant exists but the way that they communicated exactly why this was a a thing worthy of going back on yeah what they had said was like oh it's uh 77 more transmissible and it's like how what do you mean by that? Do yeah. you mean it lingers longer in the air? Is it on surfaces? You know, do asymptomatic carriers like carry it for longer? Like, what is it? Yeah. And it's again, it's fallen between the cracks because they're fucking half arsing this like messaging, testing, they're half arsing the quarantine. And like, it gets to a point where, of course, people are not going to pay attention. And you saw that on last Saturday, like St. Pancras packed with people who were trying to get out of the tier four area. Yeah. Well, you know? some, because when they literally only ever use the science to get themselves out of a hole that they themselves have dug, and in such an obvious way, people just don't, mm. they, people just stop listening. 
there seems to be so many overlapping like things as well because you get like I don't know Chris Whitty hmm. uh, or what's his name Valance up on the um, up on like to to do some things, and then you get like Matt Hancock to do others, Boris to do others, then you sub some other people in here and there. I think we mentioned this last week, but it's like. So who, like, why are politicians giving the science, and why are scientists then, like, just there to reinforce that? Or yeah, you know, it's just fucked up. And like, obviously, the the um, follow-on from that was the fact that uh, all of the European countries started closing their borders. Um, it was, um, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? What which would you is expect when you have Matt sweet... Hancock saying it's it's like it's super dangerous. On like breakfast yeah. news, and then within half an hour, they're like, "Well, I'm not having you come here." Then <laughs> it's just the sweet irony of having like a politics for the last twenty years. Well, I mean, especially for the last four years, but I guess over the last twenty years, defined by closing borders yeah. and then being forced to close borders. Yeah. Like, a, like you had like um, a bunch of people on Twitter competing with each other to see who could dislike lettuce the most, <laughs> because that's what you do now. When something happens, you prove that actually you didn't need it and you never liked it anyway, <laughs> which is going to be amazing when it comes to like, I don't know, toilet roll, clean drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like if, if it's like um, you're trying to, when you're trying to ride a bike and you can only fixate on one particular thing, like riding into the lamppost. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, of course, a political culture that had spent years communicating like, yeah, this is the thing we're going to do. We're going to do the borders. We're going to close down the national borders because that that's what makes us a nation. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, of course, you crashed right fucking into it. And like, that's not even like me being all Remainery and saying you reap is what you sow, ha, 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 ha. Because like, also, I have no doubt that the EU in the closing days of Brexit negotiations, saw this and it's like, oh yeah, no, we are going to do it for health reasons, but also, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was um, what, The thing that was making me just go, ooh, ooh, was they've been, in theory, setting up everything around Kent to deal with this exact situation. Then it happens mm-hmm. and immediately it's like, uh-oh, this, they've got no hot food. There's, there's literally no, there's like one toilet that's shut now. Um, mm. And it's like, what was your plan? What was your plan? Were you going to do the like the last bit in a week? Was that when you were going to suddenly open up all the toilets? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's doing your homework on the bus. Yeah, but you can't do your, you can't build like a couple of hundred toilets on the bus the morning but, of the fucking lesson. But you can again, yet again, they they're fucking covered because did you see? Um, so it got quite a lot of publicity. Of there was a Sikh Guevara who uh, went down there with like yeah, a so load of food. The, yeah, the Gravesend Godvara. And um, I think just today you had the sun um, sending down a journalist with a load of, like, scotch eggs and tea. It's like, hold on, hold on a second. We're missing a beat here. Chickpeas, get fucked. And this cold scotch egg that's been in a plastic bag. Just the idea of, like, you've been... Su- okay, so you've been... So it's been, like, a day. You've been stuck in your your little cab. You you you're, You might miss Christmas with your family... Um, maybe you're not being paid because most European um, lorry drivers get paid by the mile, not by the day. Um, mm. And a nice Sikh man turns up with a really nice curry, and you're eating your nice curry, and you're like, "Oh, this is dead nice. God, that's really lovely. Thank you ever so much." And then out comes the Sun journalist with his grey meat fist lump, and it's like, <laughs> "Wouldn't you rather this?" And it's like, "No." Do you see that um, Turkish guy? I thought I was going to starve here. <laughs> Do you see that Turkish guy who had like um, his little food section underneath his lorry that had like his perfect Mediterranean diet so he could always have it on the go with like fresh tomatoes and like olive oil and yogurts and stuff like that? <laughs> it was amazing. It just folds out into like a little kitchen. Pretty much. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm very jealous of that. Uh, did you see? Um, did you see them kicking off at the police today? No. Yeah, this morning there was a... Because, like, obviously it's going to take longer and longer to... Because I think there were some sounds about them, like, release, like closing the borders because... Uh, reopening the borders because I think they don't believe Matt Hancock? Um, as they're still, at the moment, they're still saying they've got to be tested. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't but, surprise... I mean, I did setting, see, I'm yeah. guessing it's about setting up a testing regime in yeah. time. But, yeah. you know... But I wouldn't I mean, the thing... 
The thing that no one is asking, of course, is how is closing the border going to affect the UNICEF packages needed to address hunger in the sixth largest economy in the world? <laughs> you say the it's horrible. Like you say these things to yourself, you think, oh, I'm really clever that I know it's the conjunction of these two things, <laughs> and then you realise it's it's just fucked. It's so fucked. Okay, they can deliver it by helicopter, like you would to a war-torn <laughs> zone. Oh, God, this uh, country is just the fucking worst. And like, yeah. Or like a smaller note, just to like go in, just it just it does all mesh with this country that's ruled on fucking spite and hate. Um, I walked maybe ten minutes from my flat yesterday to a friend's flat, and in that journey, I heard, I got hit in the ears with um three of those mosquito things that you know to keep teenagers away. In a residential oh, yeah. area, I wasn't walking through car parks or anything like that. Just a residential area, and they've just Do you got still these have to the. Make sure- do you still have the ears of a teenager then? One of them. It only works in my right ear. The left one is fucked. That one's the ears one that, te- um, that bled when we saw discharge. Ears of a teenager, spine of a geriatric, that kind of thing. Yeah, that is pretty much me at the moment. <laughs> so obviously like one of the things that people were uh, fretting about was the idea that vaccines would get stopped at the border because obviously this week and last week they've started rolling out vaccines. Yeah. But luckily that comes um, in on, con- on containers. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have this big PR campaign about like who is um, who's going to get the like who's get the vaccine first. So publicly, you have it like Ian McKellen getting. Yeah, it, you saw like um, some pensioners and like um, having little cute vox poppy interviews with like a hundred year old people saying like, "Oh, I'm so happy," and then just doddering off in that kind of old person way. And then you know, yeah. obviously, all of our politicians need it as well because they're very important. Mm. All of them, every single one of them. Every single one of them. <laughs> well, it's not just, you know, on their own. It's they all have, you know, they all have particular fandoms and constituencies that they need to convince that this vaccine isn't going to make them sterile. So obviously Boris would take it. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah. Um, it's the most I mean, who is politics? Who is lit, lit, who is convinced <laughs> by a politi- Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Fucking Dominic Rab had the vaccine. I'm fully in well, favour yeah, like, now. Um, in America, it's like, we they've they've been way more stringent anti-vax, um, anti-mask people in like the American political system, and seeing some of them of like the ones who are like full blown. It's a pandemic. I'm not wearing a mask. Mm. It's a face nappy, and then literally push into the front of the queue to get a vaccine, and they're just going to be called like cucks by the weird queue people. <laughs> like called yeah. Have they started calling people vaccine cucks yet? I'm sure they have. Uh, there's there's a whole thing because that, that goes on much longer. It's just I think either more visible or more widespread, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, mm. the fact like we're never going to see this vaccine, are we? We're never getting it. We're too young. My mum asked me whether I'd take it, um, whether I would have it, because I think my brother had expressed some doubts, and she was like talking to him um, yeah. about it. And she asked me whether I'd take it, and it drop was like, it into I'm a Red so, Bull like I, a fucking Jaeger bomb. Uh, fucking yes, there we go. <laughs> Just inject it into my scotch eggs. <laughs> like a deviled egg. Yeah. No, you've got to have all the British politicians taking it because otherwise uh, you know, their fans won't be convinced. So, you mm. know, you've got to have Michael Gove take to take it because then how are all the dads who are really weirdly into World War One, how are they gonna be convinced to take it, you know? <laughs> Boris, the love child backers uncles. <laughs> Love job. Is that is that the um the advertising speak for his constituency? That's his that's his shard. That's his class shard. There it's a all parties are like uh, coalitions of class shards, and that's their class shard. It's like the uncles who've given up. It's Dominic Raab. The World War One dads. Dominic Raab's like um weird karate dads that always say they can win a fight. Yes, one hundred percent. Um they call themselves the whirlwind in pubs. <laughs> Feel the Dominic Raab whirlwind. My name is Dominic, will, but people call me the whirlwind. the whirlwind. You will rob the whirlwind. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, yeah. um, I, I don't, I, like, my mum and stepfather are nervous about the vaccine, and the thing that's, like, my mum was a nurse her entire, entire working life. And so that's like, okay, to be fair, it was like working in mental health and addiction for most of it. So she stayed well clear of actual, like, diseases. Um, But still, it is a bit, yeah, unsettling just how many people I know are like, "Mm." 
But yeah, like yeah. I said, dropping it into a Red Bull. <laughs> so on the flip side of that, this morning we had uh, one of our much-loved and finely-timed Blair interventions. Oh, no, fantastic. not that kind of intervention. <laughs> Get your head out from under the desk. It's not that kind of Blair intervention. Uh, he loves them, doesn't he? Is he just um, going so he... to, like, carpet bomb us with vaccine? <laughs> well, uh, yes, actually. He wrote in The Independent. Um, he urged the rollout of mass vaccinations. Uh-huh. Um, so he basically wrote something that said, uh, we should use up all of our stock of vaccine as soon as possible <laughs> in order to... <laughs> just do it. Protect the economy, whatever, whatever, whatever objective a Tony Blair wants in 2020. Does he think that it works? Does he think that one, the first dose half works and you're half immune and then the second dose you're full immune? It's a good way of fucking mutating a vaccine resistance strain. It it is, (laughs) if you just like give it to as many people willy nilly and then they miss out on the next dose because I don't know all the borders are shut for some inexplicable reason who could possibly imagine a situation where our ports are shut <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of interesting things because he did that and he did the um he did a report actually um in November about mm-hmm. the vaccine so so today he wrote the medicine and healthcare products regulation agency should clear the oxford astrazeneca vaccine within days to add to the pfizer one yeah hmm. Weird. Okay. Uh, in November, somebody on Twitter, I can't remember the name, I'm very sorry, uh, pointed out that uh, the, the Tony Blair Global Institute was actually boosting the AstraZeneca Zeneca vaccine even in November, writing, the AstraZeneca therapeutic drug, one of the most promising, is not part of the recovery trial in the UK, but we should urgently investigate whether we can speed up its introduction, even That's with sick. limited doses available. It's reasonably clear there is no safety issues with the vaccines like that of AstraZeneca's, and efficacy even at fifty percent is worth worth having. We have probably the best vaccine in the world, and it's like, oh, you're getting paid by AstraZeneca, isn't yeah. it? Where's that fucking That's thing? Um, I saw it. um fucking how's it Lee Kern, that shitty fucking writer, um, who um Jeremy Corbyn was saying about like should you know should you really. You shouldn't really have Big Pharma being in charge of all this stuff because you know Big Pharma are bad. Um, and he's mm. and Lee Kern's like, oh, this is like anti-vaxxer shit, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you know where anti-vaxxer stuff and and like suspicion of all these things come from? From people like Tony Blair saying, you don't need to check for safety, mate. It's all good. Shit yeah. like that. Oh, for, oh, fucking. There was fucking um, somebody like uh, some Evening Standard writer wrote on Twitter today. Tony Blair talking sense as usual on BBC Radio 4 Today programme. If one dose of vaccine gives substantial immunity, why not use second dose on someone else to cover the herd quicker? If doing a lot not, of work there. And why not let GPs choose to give jabs to likely spreaders as well as the elderly? I'm not letting GPs choose fucking anything. I don't particularly like GPs being in charge of their own fucking jobs. We don't know if this vaccine prevents fucking transmission. We Mm. don't know if the vaccine um, cures the symptoms of the virus, but you still having traces of the virus in places that could spread to other people. Mm -hmm. You fucking idiots. Why? uh, It's it's that perfect, like, um, uh, extension of that logic that he had when he was in government. And which Cameron had as well, to be fair. Yeah actually perfected it which was let's bust everything down to its smaller unit that's more efficient and more like morally innocent i guess morally clear you know you don't get accused of being big government cracking down and doing like doing mass things doing collective things yeah because let's just not have bother having to organize a state level response let's just let let the market decide let's cap and trade this bad boy (laughs) fucking because that did amazing things for carbon emissions didn't it (laughs) oh my god and it even let it like this this whole Tony Blair bit, it even left off with Nick Robinson asking the eternal question of uh it's December twenty-third, you are retired from politics. I sense your frustration. You want to be back in there running this. The former Labour leader said, I don't know whether I should be back there running this. Oh my god. It's eternal. What is it about them? Mm. Like this fucking demon gargoyle emerges from the swamp every like <laughs> three months or so. I was hoping he'd disappear a bit now Corbyn's gone. You know, that he'd like to at least calm, mm. calm that shit down because I fucking hate them. Nah, because now he hasn't got a battle to wage, he's got a peace to win. Yeah, but that's, it's like, but I like 100% Phillips, think that's been, what it is. I've really enjoyed not hearing a fucking word from her. That's been really I satisfying. That, I, wonder if that's, I wonder if that's because, like, not to... Mm, 
not to like go blaming people or anything because it's the information age, it's Twitter. Yeah. But like, is that because you haven't been paying attention to her because no one's been signal boosting her into your timeline? Um, I haven't. Do you think? I, no, no. Well, the thing is, no one. She hasn't been invited on any shows because there's no point to have her anymore because there's no need to punch left anymore. So you don't ah, need her. Ah, okay. She's no good for the anti-Semitism thing because you can get if you want a right-wing ghoul who's also a fucking racist to complain about anti-Semitism. You've got Margaret Hodge for that. You don't need Jess Phillips. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you've got. There's no need yeah. for her. So she's disappeared now, and you know she'll. I reckon she'll probably pop up in like soon, and she'll probably you know she'll still be on the regular circuit, but she'll be demoted to the ranks of like. Well, Wedge Streeting, if he wasn't if he wasn't in the shadow cabinet, do you know what I mean? Like that kind of level. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just one little thing I wanted to talk about as well, right? Yeah. So, I've had a load of stuff coming up in my feed about the, uh, the Stuart Lee single with Asian Dub Foundation. What? They're trying to get Xmas number one. What? So, what? Asian Dub Foundation, the... What? What were they? I mean, dub band, reggae, ragga band. What? Uh, from the 90s. What? With a comedian who was made famous for pretending... Well, for... for Mockingly calling himself from the nineties. What? Oh, um, All right, go on. So, <laughs> go I thought on. May- maybe you could uh, insert a little uh, music clip of it there. Okay, I'll add a clip. You come over here, Anglo-Saxons, not a speaking open language. appreciate that I will now look like the worst kind of BBC liberal apologist idiot if you're all sitting at home watching this dubbed into Bulgarian. Maybe, just a little bit, don't do too much. Like, it's been sticking in my brain, because I actually heard it for the first time today. Okay. Um, like, I have nothing against almost any single element of it. So, like, what it is, it's like a dub track, kind of industrial music, with Stuart Lee's uh, thing about coming over here, uh, Anglo-Saxons bringing their pottery, you know, that bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you re- you remember it, the classics. And yeah. I can't really take against it too much. Like, mm-hmm. they're donating the proceeds towards the Kent Refuge Action Network. I get the idea of mm-hmm. putting it out right now. With Then they explicitly name Brexit as the thing that they're doing it with. I have nothing against almost any single element of it. But as a whole, it's it makes me cringe. And more than that, it makes me groan. It, it goes beyond cringe. Like, it's a shit Theseus's boat. I have no problem with <laughs> the elements of it. But as a whole, it just... I, I feel like it's really bad. Yeah. And, like, look, I'm not a dub fan, like... Uh, the song sounds like it should be on the fucking Matrix soundtrack or something. Um, it just feels very, very old. But that shouldn't be that. That isn't the thing that's making me think. Because I listen to yeah. bad music all the time. <laughs> I think it might have something to do with how badly that that I feel that bit has aged. Mm-hmm. You know, the coming over here, fixing everything with broken. Yeah. Indians and Pakistanis coming over here, inventing us a national cuisine. It's like they're, they're more than just like a. People are more than just a cultural rejuvenating device for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it just reminded me of all the Remain campaign when they tried going that way and ended yeah. up with, like, how how dare you send our maids away? Yeah. Yeah, um, it does feel a bit like that. It's, it's the aged element of it. You know, like, I understand a pro-migrant narrative of, like, migrants doing the jobs we won't as used to be a way of easing people living in a system where the key thing was we're all the same um, we're all struggling against the same thing. And it, it was that attempt to make immigration fit into like a national story. Yeah. You know, I just feel like it's over time that has properly changed now. Like we're now in the era of superiority of competition. Foreigners are equal to us, but now that means they can compete and, you know, we can't allow them to win that kind of thing. And that's super- superiority provokes like this yeah this need to compete and prove you're actually superior or to lambast those of your own society who are like deficient you know yeah. how come oh how come poles are so good at fixing stuff you know the british are lazy i've got better make the move to norfolk and pick potatoes with two pound an hour um it, it's all that naked attempt to kind of drive down wages and working conditions and it aligns with the ideas of the actual tories and conservatives who think that the underclass problem family should be imprisoned or or put to work on farms, you know? Yeah. And, like, I know this isn't their intention. Like, Asian Dub Foundation have mm. done political stuff for, you know, 25 years or something. Um, 
and they aim it obviously they're aiming this at the comfortably off who never even see a migrant worker let alone live in areas where they live mm. um and it's like the, the whole album like that the, they, they've released an album and it's like got something of featuring greta thunberg you know it's you know like no, uh, they, 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 no. i actually look i looked on their website and they had descriptions of the tracks and it's like stealing the future rings the lyrics Hands up if you're a citizen of nowhere and you're not scared. A riposte to former UK Prime Minister. And it's like, Theresa May's fucking gone, mate. Yeah. Like, it's fighting last year's battle, fighting the battle after it's already over rather than, like, adapting. Like, yeah. uh, I feel so churlish about wasn't, having, wasn't having a problem one, with something. Wasn't Stuart Lee one of the ones who said he was voting Lib Dem at the last election? Well, we, I don't think it's ever been fully confirmed whether he was or not. I know he put something on his website as well, which was like 2019 things I've liked in 2019 and like it was like led by donkeys and the Lib Dems and shit like that. So I don't know whether it's a bit or whether it's just yeah what he was doing. But, and again, like you don't want to be too, you don't want to be like, you don't want to have a go at someone just for not liking Corbyn alone. Yeah. You know, uh, you're an idiot for thinking yeah. that it was him who did Brexit, but you know, yeah. it, 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 it's just been going around in my head. Why I've taken against this fucking song so much <laughs> because I have, like I say, the individual elements, I've no problem with it, but altogether, but altogether, it just, it's just shit as well as like that moving things into the cultural realm. It's like, Oh, release a song. That'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Get it to number one. And it's like, ah, please, please stop. It worked for Peter Parsons and Brexit though. It did. That is that is true. But that was more kind of psychic phenomena rather than like cultural shift. <laughs> you know? That yeah. that song embedded itself into your brain and then Brexit happened. <laughs> All right, so uh, for the remainder of the episode, we feel like we've been we've been looking back on this year, and we feel like we've been doing pretty good on the whole Cassandra front um, of predicting the future. I think our episode before the first kind of coronavirus work from home quarantine warning thing was the other shoe falls, the other foot falls, or something. Yeah, um, where we had talked about how Boris won't just be able to get away with uh, doing everything he wants now he's got a majority. Yeah. Um. You see, the key to this is you, what you do is you just say the wildest shit and then rein it in just as far as you can. Cover the most ground and they can never prove that you didn't actually predict this stuff would happen. Um, oh, and always end with, uh, well, I could go on. <laughs> just like just like we've been winning arguments since we were 16. Um, so we had that, doesn't, that doesn't work on Twitter. It's like... I've, like I've done that in an argument in my kitchen, drunk so many times, and it just like I don't really get into arguments on Twitter, mainly because that tactic, my favourite tactic, doesn't really work on Twitter because I can't really adjust myself to be fully up on top of my high horse to get oh, like, yeah, you, to get the right amount of arrogance. You're so only kind of hang, hang You're only kind of hanging off like those Chinese archers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those Mongolian horse archers who like lean off and fire <laughs> off heartache. <laughs> um, so yeah, we thought we'd uh, have a look forward and see if we can have any other prediction baggers. Okay. Um, so like we divided it into kind of in one year, five year, and ten year. Yeah, they're going to get wilder as they go along. Obviously. Yeah, as it gets um, harder. But like in the next year, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the big question is going to be. Where does the Johnson government go from here? Yeah. So what's um, your reckon? Well, I mean, so I guess we'll know the shape. Like, I feel like the next year is going to predict the next three years because presumably coronavirus will go on as it is. It's a fixed crisis. You know, the crisis is one thing. Hmm. Um, but Brexit, I guess, like, I think I said last week, like, Thatcherism could be predicted, Blairism could be predicted. But Johnsonism, I can't see what what comes after it. Yeah, you know, like the next prime minister Sunak. Um, no, like, isn't. what is his what his his thing? It's not going to be him. Or you know, if if it if it is him, if it were to be him, yeah. like, what's his thing other than being rich? Mm. Like, for some reason, 
I looked at a picture of him today and I thought he's going to grow a goatee and then run for prime minister. That's my prediction. <laughs> oh, Rishi he'll, Sunak he'll be is one going of the to ones. grow a goatee. Okay, is that your first prediction yeah. about the conservatives in the next year? Is Rishi Sunak will grow a goatee? <laughs> <laughs> well, I reckon Boris is gone. He's going to go. Like yeah, as soon see, as that's... it's done, he's gone by April. Possibly yeah, two years. As soon as like, um, like April, May, when. If things go right, people are being vaccinated enough to start loosening lockdowny stuff, and he's and Brexit is done. No matter because no matter what in what way it's done, it will be done by be portrayed as a success. Obviously, um, it will be portrayed as done. That's yeah. the that's the success. The only success was not a measure of what actually happens. It's just that it's that. Yeah, but the like, Tory supporters yeah. and Brexit supporters will be pleased with it. Apart from the hardcore Brexit people, but they're never happy. Mm. Um, mm. And they'll probably write a note, you know, like with the metric martyrs, and they'll have a, mm. a, like a fake note that was sent round by um, by Macron saying, like, you may have won this battle, um, <laughs> but then and then we're going to have Michael Gove as prime minister because mm. it's not going to be Rishi Sunak because the Tories are too racist. Um, it'll be it'll be Michael Gove, and they're not stupid enough as well. They need to move away from um, someone who's actually made decisions over the last year. So mm. it, so Rishi Sunak. Um, maybe he stays as um, chancellor, but he's also he's too tainted. You know, he's done he's mm. done things that piss people off. Whereas a nice new fresh Michael Gove, who's this new upstart politician? He's never done a bad thing in his entire career, and that's literally how they do it. And it'll be like, oh, it's a brave new dawn. It's a different kind of government. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like my 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 thinking wasn't so like if you look at the elements of. Johnson, Johnsonism, whatever that is, like yeah. what they, what people would say are the like defining features. So it's like Dominic Cummings for whatever he is, whatever he represents, that's a defining feature of what is different about Johnsonism as opposed to something else, right? Yeah. So he's already leaving, right? He's resigning at Christmas or doing the half resigning or stepping back or something. And like he already said, he planned to be largely redundant by Christmas. Yeah. Um, presumably to set in this like auto-correcting algori- AI algorithm that would just run the government for him. <laughs> um, and presumably any pressure for like this Tory government to be different, hmm. you know, their knowledge-based elites immediately reacting to problems and sorting it out with it in his big control room, whatever that was. Presumably that goes with him because the pressure only comes from this like image of him as a Svengali, right? Hmm. But also what came along with him was that permanent campaign, constant, like constant permanent like election campaign thing. That was his process, right? Hmm. This this messaging thing of floating things and seeing how they act re- react and then releasing it almost immediately afterwards, of baiting Keir Starmer into being the one to announce the thing that they actually want to announce. Yeah. You know? Um this like almost weirdly like effective stuff where it's all joy. It's it's literally all like telling good things to old people, this release of joy and enthusiasm and energy of vitalism. Yeah. That's presumably his, right? Like if, if he goes a, an important element of that Johnsonism kind of goes away. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's probably good reasons to not think it's sooner. I just can't see Michael Gove. That's the thing. I, he's He's been in there for fucking ever. He's got every kind of baggage you could possibly have. Johnson at least had the kind of outsider charisma. But he's, what baggage he's, does he's, Michael Gove have? Um, what do you mean? He doesn't have oh, any sorry. baggage. That's literally how they'll do it. They'll just they will. It doesn't matter what yeah, baggage they. Have. Sure, sure. Boris Johnson was Boris Johnson cheated on his wife who no. was who was with cancer and got her pregnant. And the guy but who he, the guy who is who was the boyfriend of the woman he knocked up writes glowing articles about him. They will literally do what they're told. But Boris was groomed for that for years. That's why I. That's why I've been like oh. so weirded out by the fact that you could ever since Boris Johnson started on that. Um, uh, on Have I Got News For You and yeah. then you got Cameron as Prime Minister and they made a big thing of the rivalry Yeah, it has been every step grooming Boris Johnson towards that role it's obviously it was never inevitable but it was obvious that like that was the where the momentum was going and that was the angle like there's no angle for Gove Gove has exactly the same um, baggage and profile as like a Theresa May 
And she like, was prime no, minister. And she was prime minister, but she was a, a, a filler prime minister. Yeah, I'm not saying that he's going to be fucking good. I didn't say. <laughs> I just, I, good, I just don't think. I, um, like, I can't. I can't see anyone else. There's like, I think that they're going to move away from anyone who is going to be particularly touched by Corona. Um, I think Matt Hancock might have been a possibility, but too many people no. have seen just how corrupt he is. He and, was. Um, that he was. He, do you remember he? Yeah, do you remember he was up front in the uh, the last leadership mm-hmm. election, wasn't he? I think, I mean, obviously, the more you see most politicians, the more you dislike them. Yep. And again, of course, this doesn't actually matter because the thing that you're supposed to win over is conservative voters. They're mm-hmm. the ones who determine who the fucking prime minister is every time, yeah. all the time. But I mean, if you... I'm thinking about the kind of environment we're going to have in like a year's time. Presumably, there's going to be a very bad corona onset recession right you're thinking i'm thinking like not just high street brands failing but like universities and like football teams Mm. are going to go bankrupt you know like there's probably going to be one huge bankruptcy maybe not even from the high street but from like the app economy like this new the like the tech sector that was supposed to be the completely the the, the complete savior of of late capitalism Hmm. that presumably there's going to be a big bankruptcy there. And like, they've all been promising that there's not going to be another return to austerity. Right. But you would think that there's going to have to be right. Yeah, and Sunak bad. is going to be the one to, to put that in. He will, but the thing so, it's but that, who is not tainted by that. But the, um, okay, here's my proper reason. It's, it's members of the conservative party that will be choosing the leader after Boris goes. Hmm. And members of the Conservative party are going to choose someone as uh, either Gove or a Govian psychopath. It's going to, to be pretty it. Patel, isn't it? Um, oh shit! No, I don't think it'd be pretty Patel. Oh, it, I'd be, I'd be impressed with the forward thinking of the thing is my reasoning for Gove is because I think that they just re- like when left to their own devices they re- they revert to form, and I would mm. be impressed with their forward thinking if they chose pretty Patel, even though I think she'd be even worse because she'd be spiteful and incompetent. Whereas all Michael Gove would do is be desperately trying to teach us and turn us into Singapore. But hmm. with the flag. Hmm. I mean, because considering... Let's think about... If you think about what happens after Brexit, right? And if, yeah. there, is any, if there is any major kind of disruption to um, like supply chains and things like that, people mm. will put up with it and try and come up with cultural reasons, but some things will start to bite. But of course, with COVID, you've had a bunch of new authoritarian powers come in that it's probably not that hard to see just them being able to suppress those directly, which would probably doesn't suit someone with the profile of Boris Johnson, but does suit someone with the profile of Priti Patel. Hmm. You know? But, um, and I mean, like, we've got a fucking media environment where any, like, illegality or brutality gets fucking defended to the hill anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But yeah, away from mm-hmm. Westminster, we've got the election in May, the Welsh, Scottish, and, like, a bunch of locals and the London mayor. Um, mm. Sadiq Khan's going to win. He's not going to do as well yeah. as he should have. And Sean Bailey is going to win more votes than someone like Sean Bailey should ever get, mm. um, probably. Um, Labour are going to do badly in, in Wales. They're going to do badly in Scotland. Well, um, they're non-existent in Scotland. I mean, yeah, like whether they hold one. on to their whether they hold on to their one seat, the guy. Who, well, it's I mean, not his, his seat's is, not up the problem. For it. is, it's um, the Scottish Parliament, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's the Scottish Parliament. But like the problem is, you know, always if he ends up losing it, they lose all the knowledge of how to win Scotland. <laughs> Delacruci told yeah. me that the one Scottish <laughs> Labour MP that they have left, in a she had a Zoom call with him over the coronavirus. I got like an email, and it's like he's got the key to winning back Scotland, and it's like the last Labour MP. Yeah, no. <laughs> He would be the last person to actually be able to tell you how to keep fucking Scotland. Anyway. Yeah, after seeing that, after seeing that Keir Starmer thing, where he was talking about uh, how to like fix the United Kingdom a more. Uh, oh like, man, that was upsetting, wasn't it? The thing that you sent me that um, he'd like he'd said Wales five times. Three of those was when he was listing all the all the nations in the United Kingdom, and one of yeah. them was mentioning um, Keir Hardy, and the other one was mentioning Keir the Hardy, first person. Who was Scottish but was a Welsh and had a Welsh constituency. Yeah. 
And it's like, uh, all I could think is that um, is Robert California in the office when he's talking to Jim and he just says Jim's name over and over again in a kind of management way to kind of hypnotise him. And that's <laughs> and that's literally, that's the kind of shit that they're trying and they're just not going to do very well and we're going to have calls for a, a Scottish independence vote again. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Which, you know. Uh, uh, yes. Hang on, is this, is this five this is this is this is going to happen next year because um, happen next year. they're going to okay. they're going to say that they're going to call they're going to say they're going to call one when the SNP do really well in the Scottish yeah. elections they're going to say they're going to call one when are the elections do you know what may. month is it may may yeah i could see that yeah they might not have it next year it might be you know they might they'll, they'll but they'll call it they'll say they're going to try and call it they might not call it officially next year i have to say year. like Again, if 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 the resp- if the response really is to crack down, if they lose any kind of, because like that's what governments end up doing. I mean, we live in a weird, brave new world, but what governments end up doing is they end up losing control of their media message. That mm. happens to all governments. You know, they don't get better at it; they get worse. Yeah, because the papers are always like, "What have you done for me lately?" And so, if they've lost a kind of rhetorical, ideological reason to not have a Scottish referendum. They're left with a certain they're left with again what the authoritarianism that they have under COVID. So hmm. presumably if they just say no and the SNP still insists, then do they do Catalonia? Well yeah. It's like to be fair, it would be nice to have another constitutional crisis, um, seeing as we've had nothing but constitutional crises for so long now in a country that supposedly our unwritten constitution is supposed to be so stable and so good and everyone's a gentleman and it all works fine. I'll be honest, like, you know, I have missed having a constitutional crisis about the makeup of the UK, the makeup and the character of the UK, because, like, we haven't really had one this year. <laughs> it's just all... It's all been, like, trying not to get sick. <laughs> um, my, my actual one-year okay. uh, thing was, I think, that part of... There was something that John Redwood said... Um, this morning, oh, was I think, it? There's a difference morning. between there's a difference between jumping out on some woman from a bush and an argument with a woman after a date. Was it that one? No, that was something <laughs> that he said though. Was it miming to the Welsh national anthem while he was Welsh secretary? No, it wasn't <laughs> that either. Um, I reckon with austerity and everything, I reckon they're going to have one big giveaway because they're going to see that Joe Biden is going to do something like forgive all student debt in oh, one big go. That. Hey, 100%, but it has been something that's been floated. But they might do, like, one big giveaway that they make a big thing of. Yeah. But I think the other thing that's going to continue, and we've talked about it before, um, John Redwood tweeted this morning, uh, yesterday morning, French closure of ports owing to COVID-19 whilst we're in the single market is bad news. Time to use the lorry parks we have built. We rely on imports too much. Let's grow and make more at home. (laughs) This year, if, if Boris does stay in... Yeah. We start to see the move towards re-peasantizing Britain, <laughs> right? It's been floated. When do they do things? When they're pinned into a corner. So if there's shortages and people are talking about shortages, they have to come up with a response. They've already had like campaigns for to replace um, migrant pickers who haven't been able to travel. Mm-hmm. They've already had like. They've had it that as a reward, and they've floated it as a punishment. You know, like gulag regimes for nuisance neighbours, like that MP said in the election. Yeah, um, you've already seen a few around and about floating for like, oh, Britain needs a million new farmers. Yeah, um, the idea that they have the obligation to feed people while well, who are selling their labour has never sat right with them. It would make it a lot easier, given the overall kind of. Uh, petty bourgeois nature of the conservative party their owners they run small businesses so they think that they could just order workers around i feel like that's what happens in the next year or so that's the there's going to be a that's call like, that's like the big idea there's going to be a call they're going to say that you know universities are hotbed of cultural marxism if you're not academically gifted then instead we're going to give you a bag of seeds and a scythe we're going, yes, the ultimate irony. To short-circuit this cultural Marxism, <laughs> we are going to lead a march back to the land like Mao. <laughs> <laughs> and they will be called that. They will be called that by probably libertarians, but also liberals. Mm-hmm. They'll say it's Maoist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, should we go on to five-year? 
Yeah, five years. So what's your first thought on five so years So let's now? think. Let's think. Within five years, we have an election in 2024. Yep. Um, Labour are unable to win Scotland. And if you look at the... the I think Scotland's gone by five years from now. Either, either or, right? Yeah. Labour, Labour will not be able to win a an election without some presence in Scotland. They have no presence in Scotland, and Scotland could be gone within five years, right? Um, so, presumably, the electoral maths would suggest Labour can never win an election again. Mm-hmm. If, obviously, things always change... The Conservatives thus far have had a solid 40%, which is enough to win any election, any day it's called, any year, right? And aren't they changing the boundaries as well now? Um, they are also uh, gerrymandering certain ba- uh, certain things, and they're also reducing the number of MPs, supposedly, yep. down to 600, which, again, would uh, concentrate those seats even more. Um, if that's the case, is it the time for a new party? A new left-wing party stands in 2024. Um, I think they're probably yeah they will though a new well yeah. either way um, when Labour don't win in twenty twenty four let's let's say a Corbynite left wing party yeah, stands some in kind of left wing party um, but either way even if there wasn't one Labour aren't going to win and we are going to be blamed anyway we're mm. going to be blamed by people who said who voted for Lib Dems in the last election and you know did all the things of like actually maybe Sam Guimar is the perfect choice um, all those people are going to say that we we fucked it in the same way that you know Bernie Bros fucked it for Hillary. Mm. There was this really interesting um article I read it was on Verso it was by uh, Alan Badiou you know like the um French philosopher okay. political communist guy. Yeah. Um and he was talking about kind of all of the things cuz like the, the main question about this new party is like oh you know what what what's it going to be who's yeah. it, who's it going to be made up of you know nobody wants to contest electoral politics anywhere outside the labor party it never works yeah but like this this article was talking about the fact that like and I kind of agree with it like um there's a sh- like there's a shitload of movements there's almost yeah. too many movements mm-hmm. but like he was like he was kind of uh, explaining that most of most of these movements, and that's across the world, are all focused on these really limited negative objectives, like it's like defend the NHS or mm-hmm. Bolsonaro out or stop the massacre of Rohingya Muslims or, you know, whatever. Um, most of those, these kind of like movements and campaigns have those same kind of things. They're also like mostly when there are uprisings like Arab Spring or like um, in uh, Belarus, mm-hmm. um, they're a composite, like all of these things that are out in the street they're not just workers they're not just like shopkeepers or feminists or socialists they're like a composite of all these things they're really kind of cross-class movements and he is like i think he's kind of right in that there's never been more activity out on the streets than there has been now there's never been more opposition the problem is it's self-limiting because aside from whether you win or not even if you do win it's just a very limited aim right mm. and i think one of the things that a lot of kind of corbyn Corbynites, Corbynistas were, I don't like that word. Let's think of a better word. A lot of Corbyn supporters from yeah. the late, from the last five years, I think it feels like a lot of what they're missing is that kind of unitary focus. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can support orgs in your local area. You can mm-hmm. support mutual aid things. You can support particular political campaigns, whether aimed at Westminster or whether aimed at like your local area. But I think what people appreciated about Corbynism was that it kind of tied all those things together. There was room for all those things. Hmm. Um, We're kind of dripping in those kind of orgs. And like, I feel like the room for another party wouldn't necessarily be just to win the win in the first past the post system, but to like provide some kind of focus. I don't think, I don't think the energy that's going to be released by another massive round of austerity and a recession is going to be channeled into all of shouldn't just be channeled into all of those kind of disparate movements but actually should have a a singular focus and like yeah. I think if if somebody can get it right I think it's actually got a reasonably decent chance of not just being a UKIP of the left but of actually like being an opposition force yeah. You know, I don't just mean that in the electoral way, but actually like having something, maybe peeling some unions away from Labour, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. No, I could yeah, I could see that. Um mm. I reckon legal weed in five years. Mm. 
that's like one so, of the main things. I think I will be because it was never going to the Labour Party were never going to fucking do it. If Corbyn no, wasn't going to well, put it in his fucking manifesto, then none of them are ever going to do it. It will be the Tories do it, and they'll do it like almost as a fucking surprise. It will be it announced to like oh maybe that's the big giveaway. The big giveaway. Maybe that's the giveaway. January yeah. is like okay, look, I yeah. know we've had a rough year. <laughs> But it's a way to make no, money, it's, it's, and it that's is, all they care right. about. It's, it's, it's uh, Nixon goes to China. Yeah. Only well, Nixon could go to China, that kind of thing. Yeah, but well, it's also that the, the, um, the Labour Party are a bunch of fucking idiots, and their opinions on drugs are childish at best, and at least the Tories, with regards to drug policy, only care about... Well, in theory, they care about money more than they care about other things. Um, the, Tor- the, the Labour Party constructs the kind of person who they believe should be voting for them out yeah. of imagination and fairy dust. <laughs> the Tories do the same thing, but don't care about crossing that when they need to. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, that's, I reckon in the next five years, that's that's hmm. I think that happened. Also, I think Scotland will be gone. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed, a burgeoning Welsh independence movement. Perhaps a Cornish <laughs> independence movement. Why not? Why not? Well, to be fair, I could see a Cornish independence movement starting to get more traction when loads of them start, like, they're all in, like, tier one and two now, and when they all start catching Rona because of all the fucking Londoners coming down to their second homes bringing their mutant strains with them. All the Londoners with their second homes. Well, you know what I mean. The, the people I know with, what you mean, yeah. I don't, not everyone in London has a second home, but all those people with second homes are either from London or Surrey. <laughs> But yeah, that's what I reckon in the next five years. Um, I'm not sure with second parties, with our new parties. I think I think it will be attempted, and depending on like who's who's the people running it, it's something that I've obviously I would support. Like, because I mean, there's definitely there's definitely a pattern for that. I mean, like the much hated and rightly maligned SWP got bigger in yeah. you know 2003, 2006. Due to mainly due to its you know opposition to the Iraq War, yeah. there are single issue causes that can do that. You know, like yeah. I mean, even the Lib Dems, the, the third party, like yeah. they were a lot more popular in that period. So it's it is possible. Oh, I, I think mean, the Lib Dems the... are going to lose even more seats in twenty twenty four. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm talking about almost like actually taking the place of the Lib Dems. Yeah. Oh, well, I think. You know. Well, actually, no. Realistically, I think in the short term, a new left party would would be would be slotting. Ideally, would probably be moving into that kind of arrangement, mm. that kind of area, that kind of UKIP of the left. Mm. Like ideally, a kind of, like almost like the Charles Kennedy era Lib Dems. Mm. But um, yeah, like ultimately, like. The, the way the Labour Party is going, that they'll become the Lib Dems. Yeah. Well, yeah, but a more successful one, probably, at yeah. first, and then they'll just slowly crumble in on itself like a flan in a cupboard. Okay, so now the hard one. Now, the hardest one is 10 years from now, because God knows what's going to be happening 10 years from now. We might. No, you've got to show absolute confidence in these predictions. These are going to happen. It's well, the no. only way they will happen, if you believe. Well, no, that's why what I'm doing, because I... You have to believe. Because my, my, um, my political nous doesn't go that far into the future, because of a number of different things. I'm going to lean on the divine for inspiration, and to explain what's going on with my cards. Okay. So... All right. Well, so what are you doing? Describe what you're doing. I am at the moment. I am shuffling my tarot cards. Um, right. I, I, I did used to read with the Foff tarot. That's the Alistair Crowley one, which is really pretty. But I always end up with very bad things whenever I do that one. <laughs> it's cursed. Basically, that 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 deck is cursed. Whereas this one is a Tarot de Marseille deck done by Jodorowsky. You know the director, oh, right, okay. yeah, because <laughs> um, he's unsurprisingly. Do, does it come as a surprise to you that Jodorowsky is a tarot guy? <laughs> no, not at all. But anyway, so I took these tarot cards out with me during the solstice, obviously, and you know I was walking along a ley line. Actually, I probably was walking mm-hmm. along a ley line. There is a ley line where I walk the dog. Um, but yeah, so I'm shuffling my cards, and now we'll see what's going to happen ten years from now. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay, this it, it does feel weird doing it like on a podcast because um, you can't see it. So, looking at these cards, there's the forces of stability 
boring stability, like real old school traditional stability. I'm taking that as tall. Oh, like the I'm party take, of order. Yeah, I'm taking that as like mm. as like standard British, like refusing to change, like stagnation. Centre right conservatism, maybe moving to middle right. Yeah, I'd say that. I don't know the, card, yeah. the card is the Pope. Um, right, and then, but there is there is um, one of my one of the prettiest cards in this deck, the Death card. So you know we know that nice. that doesn't mean death; that just means change. But change mm-hmm. comes from youthful exuberance and new ideas, which could lead to success. Oh God, that's Dominic Cummings. <laughs> that's his thing, isn't it? He wanted bright young tech things to come in and shake up the standard like British state, didn't he? Or a new oh, party. Oh God. Huh. A new okay. party, new ideas, doing something differently, maybe moving outside of the electoral system. A new Conservative Party. <laughs> you get 2.0. We, we were right, there will be a new party, but it's a new Conservative Party. <laughs> <laughs> A UKIP of the right, could you imagine? <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what the cards are saying. So you drew two cards, right? No, I drew six cards. Oh, okay. How's it, how's it work? Okay, okay, well, I drew the Pope. The Pope is, is considering the um, four of batons, um, which okay. four means stability, and the Pope is like kind of staid tradition, that kind of shit. And moving away from him is Valet de Denier, but um, the prince, the, uh, was it prince, um, shit, not, what's, not prince, what's the valet? Um, my French is bad, I just used to, uh, but anyway, the, the valet cards, they are youthful exuberance, and right. you know, that kind of stuff, and he is on top of death, he's on top of change, and moving right. towards a king with the three of Deniers. Which is new ideas, moving on, like new new movements, new couplings, that kind of shit. Right. So overall, conservatism has a youthful resurgence. Excellent. <laughs> well, like the way you read these is so much I'm more cursed so... than I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the the irony is that my big ten year prediction, which I I didn't use the divine for, um, I just used every little piece of doomy, uh, paranoid. Um, <laughs> Adam, in the paranoid style. Um, So I reckon within 10 years, we look at a major European country and we see a full suspension or basically full-scale permanent management of democracy. Okay. Like a kind of Putin-style thing, you know? Like, because we've been teetering on the brink now for for ages. I mean, Macron is getting more and more authoritarian and seems to only... It seems like for the last 20 years, France has only scraped through from not having a fascist by the skin of its teeth. Yeah. Um, Germany has the long-term conservative chancellor, uh, Angela Merkel. She's stepping down this year, maybe sometime in the future. She's stepping down soon. She's not going to contest another election. Um, and although the alternative for Deutschland have actually gone down in the polls, I think, um, they're still primed for a kind of far right or, you know, hard right, uh, hard right turn there. Um, Italy, uh, who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was that was my kind of thing. Why are you making me think about Europe when Brexit will have happened and I won't need to think about Europe anymore? No, because Europe's coming to you. No. <laughs> I'm just doing a hard no on that. I just think, you know, like these, there's a lot of European countries that have been kind of teetering and their inability to really, for the EU to really deal with Hungary at all or, you know, or Poland or any country like that who are actively kind of shutting down independent media and, and shutting down independent judiciaries and running that kind of very corrupt, kleptocratic, authoritarian regime. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, it, it, it's, yeah, it's probably Britain. Sure, it is probably Britain. It's going to be the one. But we're going to have a youthful conservative resurgence. Yep. So that doesn't, that doesn't really apply. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're very right. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. No, I could see the EU getting progressively worse in its out, outright refusal to deal with any of its inherent problems. 
I mean, the the thing that has kept the EU on the, for want of a better term, globalist track yeah. has been the fact that it, or most of its officials and most of its powerful people are of that class. Yeah. They are the international capitalist class. And so far, they have been kind of portrayed as being on the other side of the kind of right-wing authoritarian resurgence. Of course, they're two sides of the same coin. But, um, yeah, I think that ultimately, if the EU is made up of more of those kind of right-wingers than the international kind of right-wingers, mm-hmm. I think you've got an EU that's made up of hard-right authoritarians. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. That's a bit grim. That's a bit grim. Um, um, but here, I reckon, Labour doesn't win another election. Uh, maybe they come close, um, but we get blamed again. Mm. National, national, oh, 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 one addendum, addendum. Okay. Do you think we have a national government in 10 years, within 10 years, the next 10 years? Ooh. Yeah. Con Lib, Con Lib Coalition. Uh, Con Lab Coalition, sorry. That's what I should have said. Uh, I, oh, I could see it and I'd hate it. Obviously. Real I'd crisis, real crisis moment. <clears throat> to be honest, it would be. Lit- it would probably be the main thing that could spur people to vote for another party, if the Labour Party. Liberal Democrats. Well, yeah, if the Labour, well, yeah. but um, if the Labour Party and the Conservative Party formed a government of national unity, I could see people going, "Well, these people seem exactly the same. Maybe I shouldn't vote for them anymore." I mean, I suppose if you look at the if you look <laughs> at the history the history of kind of mass participation politics it doesn't mm-hmm. actually go back that far, but if you look at the collapse of the last major party to collapse which was the liberals yeah they were super dominant for like uh from 1906 i think until around 1914 and then they kind of formed the or 1915 or 16 when they form a national government with the conservatives in that time you have like what's called the imperial liberals Mm -hmm. who split off and kind of voted with the conservatives in various things all that time their constituency was undermined. They had a constituency like a, the their Victorian constituency was like nonconformists, yeah, um, mainly, but also kind of certain business leaders and certain, like n- uh, members of the radical working class. Um, but slowly over time, those things get chipped away. They then get into a national government, which they go through the First World War in. That then Lloyd George tries to maintain after the crisis is over, and that's when the Liberals just like, fucking dissolve. So actually. Yeah, some kind of crisis that requires a national government and Labour go into it. Yeah, maybe, maybe that does. You know, maybe the Conservatives even see their coalition collapse, and you do have yeah the resurgence of the new Conservatives. Mm. You know, there is a proper ideological split there. Mm. On the plus side, maybe Dreamcast too. Uh, that's definitely going to happen, yep. um, but that will only happen under the new Conservatives. <laughs> It'll be a little gift. They're funding it. They're <laughs> kickstarting it. <laughs> There's a Kickstarter starts for um for the Dreamcast too, and then just mm. at the very end, you find out that actually all the money was going to a new Conservative Party's election campaign fund. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like we're we're definitely at one of those moments. I think like 2008, 2010, 2016. We pluck these dates out of the air and we give them significance, but you know. This feels pretty fucking significant. This this year has felt, mm. you know, the, the exact crisis was not foreseeable, of course, but there is always going to be another crisis. Like, mm-hmm. the crisis was inevitable eventually, but as was the shape the response took. And it's not just what's happening in this crisis, but, like, the way that the future plays out is going to be determined by what kind of person this crisis or this conjunction of crises produces, right? Yeah. You can talk of Corbynistas or disgruntled Brexiteers being deluded or, or whatever, but even if they are deluded, that delusion is a product of this historical moment. They believe the things they believe because of the material circumstances that are that are shaping their outlook, right? Yeah. And that in turn shapes what kind of resistance is going to be seen. You know, neoliberalism shaped people. You know, those who were employed were under greater strain. Those people who were cast aside were excluded in a systematic way. They didn't just forget about them. They were explicitly shut out from the new way of doing things, the new reorganization. And I think like the question is like neoliberalism produced a kind of subject, a person 
who didn't resist. And the question becomes, why didn't they resist? You know, why weren't there better forms of organization for them to defend their own rights? Would Should there have been more riots after 2008, 2010? You know, there should have been more of everything. Mm. What's weird about the kind of post-2008 recession, and especially post-2016, um, is that it only really took one form. Um, it took the form of Corbynism. You know, people are easier than ever to reach, but they're a lot harder to corral into any particular thing because we live in the society of the spectacle. People have so much of those kind of things uh, broadcast at them that they'll see it, but what they take from it will not necessarily be the thing that was intended. Like, you know, like all those Brexiteers, we talk a lot about like over 50s always voting conservative and things like that. But like, and, you know, they're the ones who are like homophobic and racist and all that kind of thing. But like most studies show people even of that age bracket have become more tolerant over time. Like yeah. the difference is the way that they absorb politics is through these really big single issues that pretend to have this comprehensive purview. It's like one easy trick to solve everything. Yeah. You know, you take away the immigration, everything improves. You take away the EU, everything improves. Yeah. And if you give people like an image or a totem like Brexit or like Trump in America, um, chances are that that image, of course, it doesn't come on its own. It's seeded by decades of things around it. But those kind of things end up gaining this like fanatical level of support because there's no negotiation. There's no mediation of these totems. Like there's no, there's, there's no argumentation around the spectacle. There's also barely any definition to it. You know, you couldn't tell somebody, somebody couldn't say exactly what Brexit is other than exactly the lines they've been fed, you know, and it's harder than ever to actually negotiate around that and create something, something new. That's something mm. that touches every bit. I mean, you know, we talked earlier about like uh, movements being largely negative uh, in terms of like stop this or this person needs to go. But Corbynism, weirdly enough, I think, was almost too far in the other direction. It gave you a load of positive things without any of the kind of ruthless, limited demands that a truly successful movement should have had. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think yeah. like the shape that has come out of the last five years and of this crisis has been the entire prize of politics is who gets to own this spectacle, who gets to produce this spectacle. You've got whole institutions, whole cha YouTube channels and media outlets that are entirely exist entirely to engineer and to hit out these particular spectacles over and over again to see which one lands. And like that's the whole game now. The whole game is who gets to get the next Brexit issue? Mm. Who gets to get the next, um, I mean, Black Lives Matter to a certain extent, you know, to like who gets, who gets to hook that next slogan? Who gets to hook that next spectacle? spectacle? Yeah. Um, you know, Farage did. Uh, Lawrence, you can see Lawrence Fox. Lawrence Fox is trying to find, with his reclaimed party and with his tweeting, he's trying to find which is the issue that will get repeated again and again and become the new image that you can focus on, right? Yeah. So the future will be determined either by this su constant succession of fixations and, and totems and spectacles, or it's going to be determined by breaking out of that cycle and organizing from below and from outside. Like that's why I'm so keen on like not being in the Labour Party, because it, it means that you are forced to play games by a rule that you didn't help set and that are actually the antithesis of the kind of politics you want to do. Yeah. So actually being outside that, being below it, that's where you actually need to be. You yeah. know, yeah. that's where the future lies. Okay, that's us for this week. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us at WDT80W underscore podcast. Follow me at BM Bergamo. Follow Hugh at Town of Smashing. And have a good Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Bye. Bye. about the fighting game when Miss